Welcome to PhD with Women on It, Hack the Future. My name is Beata Young, and today's PhD Positivity Hacks delivered will be by our guest, Angela Thurman. Topic Women in Manufacturing. Episode 82 starts here. Let me remind you, this is a grassroots community that focuses on women on IT, an inclusive forum of women in technology, startups, and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my mojo. And empathy is critical when you are a woman in manufacturing. Let me first remind you what's been happening in the world last week and past couple of uh, days. Congratulations to STEM board founder and CEO Aisha Bow, the first black woman confirmed to fly with Blue Origin. She was the first Bahamian and the sixth black woman headed into space. Let that sink in. Six black women. Way to go, Aisha. Before her, the first five black women in space were May Carol Jeminson, Stephanie Wilson, John Elizabeth Hingbotham, Dr. Sian Proctor, and Jessica Watkins. That's a great league of women in space. Thank you so much, production team, for bringing these names to our attention. Second mention, just one and a half year of founding Fluxis Committee is our PhD 25 guest Claudia Caffeo is now a finalist for the Webflow Conference Awards for Community Leader of the Year. Congratulations, Claudia, and way to go, hug the future. And finally, all the best to Alison Falk, who just started an end-of-year fundraising campaign over at, at Women in Tech. Uh, for more information on how to support tech equity, visit WITPGH donation page or contact, um, get in touch with Alison. I'm sure she will be happy to guide you through. Finally, congratulations to Natasha Musarf on becoming Slovenia's first woman president. She's an LGBT advocate. Melania Trump's lawyer and a data protection authority in Slovenia. In today's episode, let's go to discover things and facts and figures about women in manufacturing. The manufacturing sector is regarded as the backbone of both social and economic development. Women are integral part of the manufacturing workforce. In fact, they make up 37% of, uh, of it and they play a vital role in the industry's success. In today's ever-changing landscape, it's more important than ever to support, promote and inspire women who have chosen careers in manufacturing. Our PhD, Positivity Hacks Delivered, episode 82, Angela Thurman. She is arriving not only from space, she used to work with different companies. She's an engineer. She's passionate about mentoring and supporting women in the manufacturing industry. She's a volunteer and currently the secretary and the membership director for Texas chapter at Women in Manufacturing, the only national and global trade association dedicated to providing year-round support to women in manufacturing and working towards a world in which a diverse and inclusive manufacturing sector offers equitable opportunities and rewarding careers for all people. Angela, let's start with simple question. Where are you joining us tonight from? Currently, I am in Oklahoma, outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Fantastic. Great to see you. Um, we had a bit of a problem joining uh, the link today, but luckily we have Angela on her mobile phone today talking about how to hack the future if you want your future to be in manufacturing. So Angela, walk us through your career path. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up in this very interesting field. 
I'd be happy to. So I am from a very small community in Northwest Arkansas, about a hundred miles from where I sit today. And I attended university in my hometown and earned a bachelor's of science in electrical engineering. And from my um, college, my university, I uh, took a position with NASA and moved to Ohio, to Cleveland, Ohio, where I first began working as an electrical engineer supporting the development of the power systems for the International Space Station. So that was a very exciting um, entry into my career. Um, I was with NASA for about three years and then um, left the government sector to take a position in a smaller commercial manufacturing company um, where I worked for a company that produced a very high quality germanium and silicon for the um, infrared optics industry. So think about the night vision uh, windows and scopes for say a, a tank or a helicopter or even for the um, sights on um, a, a, a rifle but also for the semiconductor industry. So we had very pure um, ingots um, or bulls of single crystal germanium and silicon that went into the semiconductor industry. And so I was really inspired by the, the semiconductor industry. And so I was there for a, a few years and then later moved into telecommunications. So I worked in the telecommunications industry for a very long time, and I earned my master's degree in telecommunications um, from a larger state school, Oklahoma State University, uh, when I resided in Oklahoma, um, in Tulsa. Um, I've worked for some very large telecommunications companies, including Sprint, which is now owned by T-Mobile, and I um, then uh, left the telecommunications industry to move back into aerospace, where I worked for one of the largest um, original equipment manufacturers in aerospace, um, working for very large uh, programs supporting um, Boeing, Airbus, Bombardier, and so forth. And then in late uh, 2020, um, I left that company and in 2021, I launched my own program management company uh, in Houston, where I currently reside. So now I have a group of program managers that support me and we provide program management, um, contract management and supply chain management solutions for our customers. Oh, here is unmuting myself. Technology plays uh, with us tonight. That's quite a um, career, Angela. I have to say that uh, I would never envisage myself going into completely different industries and then still be comfortable changing and going outside of your comfort zone and changing uh, you know, from from one job to the other, uh, that sounded very smoothly. Was it a smooth transition or was it uh, as a factor of somebody hired you because they saw how great hire you are? <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both. Um, as an engineer and particularly with a, a program management background, um, I, I was able to uh, use those skills in a wide variety of positions and industries. Um, my philosophy is that program management is industry agnostic. And so the same skills can be used across a wide variety of industries. And, and that has helped me to be flexible 
in, in various roles in, in different types of industries because we're, we're trying to solve problems, to find solutions. Um, and it really, it doesn't matter a whole lot if you're building airplanes or um, computer chips or you're, you have um, bandwidth in a telecommunications network. Um, it's a lot of the same type of problems that you're trying to solve. And, and that really makes it um, very easy to transition from, from role to role and in different industries. Mm. But I would have to say, when we talk about industry agnostic, I would say that curiosity pay, plays a big part in uh, getting the job you want to get. Uh, because I remember yes. my first time I was working for a um, company supplying um, laboratories. And uh, all we do did was uh, supplying uh, laboratory equipment. And then all of a sudden I became this uh, laboratory expert uh, and I knew how how the things are processed, how to extract uh, certain things and so on. Uh, I'm not going to go into details. I'm not a scientific approach here. I'm not applying any of that because I was just a secretary, but it was all very interesting to me. And then when I started working for pharmaceutical industry, I uh, went to into a different um, background. It definitely played a big role that I had this knowledge of certain companies, certain universities, and had some something I could bring to the table. What about you? What uh, skills, apart from product management, you executed with, uh, let's say you worked for Tesla as well along the way? Well, I, I haven't worked for Tesla, but if I were to join Tesla, <laughs> I would bring I would bring with me um, team development, um, time management, um, a, a degree of of um, oh, being able to be pro a problem solver. And I think that those would be some valuable skills. I'm very, very organized as well. Mm. Great organizations. Uh, skills are critical here. Since we are talking about organization, uh, there is a little comment here. And I wanted to say hello to Jane. Jane is saying hello, Beata and Angela. Excited on this episode. Jane, I hope you are considering a new field for your future. But if you're not, I'm sure there is lots of lesson to um, take from Angela tonight. Angela, Somebody told, uh, said about you, uh, let me get that quotation uh, just here, sorry. I basically call her a one lady Swiss army knife that can do it all, states James Kennedy, founder of Superstar Recruitment Services. From rescuing complex million dollar projects and bringing them in on time to negotiating better contracts and saving companies thousands of dollars. Now, these huge companies, doesn't it overwhelm you sometimes that you are negotiating huge numbers there? And if something goes wrong, your head may, might be on the line? <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit overwhelming at times. But I feel that I've had um, the, the very best training I possibly could have. And I have, I have confidence in, in my background. And I know that my team is supporting me. So I think that I can go in um, from the best position that, that I could have. And mm. I think that that probably um, you know, gives me the confidence to do my best. And um, I, really, I really rely on my background and, and knowing that um, that I've, I've made some good decisions in the past and, and I have um, 
a wealth of experience and previous history with these types of projects and, and negotiations mm -hmm. that have, have gone well. So, um, let, I, let me I, ask you, I, I go back to the beginning, when you, when you finished university, um, mm -hmm. how did you apply for a job with NASA? Was it, uh, you know, uh, some internship program or how do you get that? Well, that's a very interesting story. So, um, so I was in the university and I was reading woman engineer magazine and this particular, um, NASA facility, it was NASA Lewis at the time. It's now called NASA Glenn. They had a full page ad in, in the magazine. And so I thought, well, you know, why not? And so I sent in my, um, my resume, my app, you know, to the facility. And it was very um, interesting that NASA Lewis had the project for the um, power systems for the space station. And my senior design project was a switching power supply. So um, when I interviewed, they asked me, the man who eventually became my um, branch um, chief, my, my boss, asked me had I applied to NASA at large or had I applied specifically to NASA Lewis? And I told him, oh no, I only applied to NASA Lewis because I had seen this ad in the magazine. And he said, I've never heard that before. I've never heard of this magazine. And, you know, it's just um, incredible that your project is a switching power supply and I have an opening for an engineer to monitor the, um, the um, switching power supplies for the space station. So they offered me the job. Excellent. Now, um, I wanted to ask you of whether you could share with us the history of women in manufacturing because I think it's quite interesting to look at the statistics how we were during the war we were the main um, power um, behind the manufacturing jobs and then mm -hmm. what happened if you could walk us mm -hmm. through so um Women in manufacturing does have a very um, strong fondness for the iconic Rosie the Riveter um, persona and, and all of the women that supported um, manufacturing during World War II and how women came forward to fill those roles that were so incredibly important to support the war effort. and. Um, so our founder, Alison Grayless, um, founded the organization about 12 or 13 years ago. And it is an international now trade organization and the only one of its kind to um, support women and our male allies who have chosen to pursue careers in manufacturing. And so women in manufacturing or WIM, as we call it, um, is organized as a, um, a federation of chapters. And each chapter is locally organized and led by a board of um, directors. So you would have a chair, a, a vice chair, a secretary and a um, treasurer along with different committee members and those that board of directors leads the local chapter and so WIM has a lot of different um, educational programs and many of those are are offered 
at no charge. And then there are programs that um, there is a small fee for. Some of them are very, um, just very professionally presented and even competitive. And one of the things that really impressed me about WIM is that they have a program that is, to my knowledge, the only one of its kind that brings leadership development opportunities to the woman that is on the, um, the factory floor. And I don't know of any other program that's like that. So we see a lot of leadership development for managerial level employees or those who want to go into leadership um, in their organization. But WIM actually has this program to reach to the employees that are actually in the manufacturing positions, which I think is just fantastic. And so um, WIM has regional conferences as well as its, its national conference. And then the local chapters organize events to reach their local members. In fact, in Houston, um, we're having a local um, meet and greet to get the members together for more of a social event. Um, and th then we have all kinds of chapter organized educational um, events as well. And all of this is um, presented on the WIM website at all times. So we all get it. We need community to offer this support that is outside of the working environment. However, when I looked at the statistics, when I looked at the numbers, um, and when we talked about women in manufacturing or manufacturing as a backbone, um, just if we look at what happened in 2020 when we went into lockdown, when all of a sudden everybody needed toilet paper. And all these manufacturers were not capable of supplying because they didn't have enough people. On top of that, due to COVID, lots of females lost jobs because they didn't have support yes. system, they didn't have childcare. So now, can you tell us uh, what's the situation nowadays? Is is there some other programs apart from your program? Are there any approaches by manufacturers? I mean, the, the big factories thinking about how to attract the female talent? So I think that there is. And WIM is actually leading the forefront of some of that by producing um, educational programs and getting those large manufacturers to collaborate together to find solutions. Mm. Because really, uh, when people, you know, with the, the simple concept is, and especially for me, I'm coming from, uh, you know, Eastern Europe. I was raised and born in Poland. And uh, when I look at manufacturing, it's all about blue collar workers. However, there is a career path. Can you walk us through some examples of exciting career opportunities for females? I think that there are so many. So manufacturing means so much more than simply working on a production line. So that can be very exciting. And I think that the incorporation of um, robotics. Um, if you think about Industry 4.0 and what that brings to modern manufacturing is going to be very exciting as well. So there's a lot more of in the integration of communications and, <coughs> pardon me, um, computer-based um, data collection into manufacturing and those kinds of careers that that will bring about. And then you've got all of the support um, 
that goes into this. So maybe you work for a manufacturer, but your role is in accounting or program management or supply chain or legal. All of those kinds of careers are open to women. Engineering. Um, I really encourage women to pursue those kinds of careers. Think about those kinds of careers and how they can support manufacturing. Absolutely. We encourage you all to think about where females should be represented. And just to give you an example, today I came across a very um, sad story. A lady who was sharing her story on one of the ladies' groups uh, looking for support. She's um, suffering from uh, a little bit of, you know, down moment in her life and her parents are trying to put her out. And because she lives uh, far away, somewhere in a the village, there is no opportunity for remote jobs at the moment. The only job offer was in a building site as a operator of machinery. And actually lots of voices said, why don't you do that job? Because if that's the only opportunity, I'm gonna tell you that that's going to be, be well paid. There is clearly a need for these people, for skilled workers in that field and don't be bounded. And actually lots of comments from other ladies showing their keys to their heavy machinery, showing that they have done it and they love it because they are surrounded. surrounded. But of course, some voices saying, you know, it's weird to see a female, uh, but on the other hand, they really love it because they are unique. They love their career and they are doing something different. Uh, every day. Yes. Now, um, we have got Agatha Bellon. Hello, Agatha. She's asking, what made you move from job in NASA to your next role? And the second question, and do you prefer, prefer private or public sector, Angela? <laughs> oh, so the, the reason I moved from my, my job at NASA was, was personal. Um, um, my mother became ill. And so I needed to um, leave Ohio and, and go back home to help uh, take care of my mother. And thankfully, she, she recovered uh, her health. And, and so it was a, a happy ending. And then as far as public or private sector, um, that could be a that could be a, a, dif a difficult question too. I think I actually prefer the private sector. Um, working in the government um, has a lot of advantages. It definitely does. But the private sector for me um, can be more rewarding in that the risks sometimes can be higher. Therefore, the opportunities also can be higher. And, and it's more, um, it's a little bit more flexible. So I think I prefer, uh, as I am now an entrepreneur, um, I think I love I love the private sector. So walk me through your exciting um, path of starting your own venture. Why did you start okay. it and how did you start it? <laughs> so um, at, at the end of 2020, um, obviously, um, since I was working for a very large um, avionics OEM, um, air travel was down uh, significantly because of COVID, and the um, the the programs that that I were, was working on had reduced production significantly. Like they had completely shut down <laughs> production, and so there had been a lot of reductions. Um, in my company, and so I was laid off. Um, I um, I took that opportunity to look around and decide, well, what is it that I want to do for my next step? And I considered going to work um, for a, another large company that was supporting NASA. Um, and I was actually in the interview process. And 
I decided that after having worked from home for a number of years, I just didn't want to have the long commute um, to the um, Johnson um, Space Center. For me, it would have been over an hour to the center and then back another hour every day. So I, um, I decided to um, seek contract work. And the, um, the customer that I um, got um, indicated that it was a requirement in their procurement system that I would have to set up a, a limited liability company uh, because they didn't pay um, individuals on a contract basis. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. So I set up the LLC and then it just became um, convenient for me to just set up a consulting company under the, the LLC. And I brought on board more PMs. Um, I had an, I got an assistant and, and the company just began to grow from there. Excellent. Uh, well done. Uh, if, if it wasn't for COVID, you probably wouldn't have started that job. So there is That's exactly true. As, absolutely. As our mantra goes, look for something positive each day, even if some days you yes. have to look a little harder. We have <laughs> from um, Agatha. The, thank you, Angela. Great to hear that you enjoy your entrepreneurial journey. Thank you, Agatha, for your great question. We still have got about 20 minutes for our show. Bring your questions. Say hello. Say where you are watching us from, whatever it is. We are keen on sharing actions, sharing um, visions, values, and enjoy sharing profits as Cindy Gallop's <laughs> mantra goes. Now, uh, Angela, I wanted to ask you, um, now that you are having your own company, uh, what is the biggest challenge owning your company? The, the biggest challenge as a small business owner for me is um, maintaining a a steady cash flow because it seems like a big program comes in and then there might be another a month when it's a, it's a small project and so revenue comes in and then it goes down a little and then it comes in and so trying to uh, plan for the 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 big months and then the small months and and just trying to keep that steady and um, and and plan for that um, is is a challenge. I'm I'm not an economist. <laughs> I, I'm an engineer, <laughs> and so the way I work with numbers is a little bit different. But um, it's just something that you know, as you're building your business, um, you have to recognize that there are going to be um, months when when you're not bringing in as much as other months and uh, and how you work with that so just budgeting i think is a is a key and um and working absolutely however how, however you just at the beginning of your journey uh, let's let's face it how many years yeah. have you been um a, a year and a half yeah exactly so i'm sure the cash flow will be going and your team will be growing fingers crossed for that <laughs> so we have another question from jane what do you enjoy the most about working in a manufacturing environment one of the things that i most enjoy is being able to see you know touch a finished product and and when you see um, your your products uh, um, helping, serving, and affecting the lives of people, so usually in in um, in in the past, you know, fifteen years, um, the the products that I've contributed to have uh, have affected the safety of of people because i work in aerospace 
I get I get a real joy from thinking the work I'm doing today ensures safe travel for um, for people, and whether that's because you know I um, I helped to make sure that this um, um, this upgrade to a product happened, or I made sure that a contract got completed. You know, I'm doing something every day that helps ensure that people safely arrive at their destinations. So let me ask you, what do you enjoy the least in the manufacturing industry? The, the paperwork. <laughs> There's so much paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't imagine uh, not having paperwork when it comes to uh, work in aviation industry because we can oh, watch yeah. all these catastrophe videos uh, where people didn't check, check the paperwork properly or yeah. pilots didn't check all the boxes and things didn't go quite as planned. Yeah, so, we do that. Absolutely. Thank you very much for contributing to our safety and we love flying now that we have opportunity. I am not going to ask you about imagine the pandemic is over yet. However, let's ask with the first question from our University of Questions for Positivity Hugs Delivered. What advice would you give to females if they want to start their own company? I would say go for it. There's there's definitely um, an opportunity and you have something um, unique to provide. So um, yeah, follow your dream. You, you, you can do it. There, there are resources available and loads of people that are willing to help. So if you want to start your own business, I encourage you to do it. Absolutely. We have uh, YouTube, which is one of the greatest and biggest universities in the world. And you can use the resources of Uncle Google and Auntie Wikipedia. Now, <laughs> what is your strategy for problem solving? Is it scientific approach or do you have something else up your sleeve? So my favorite approach to problem solving is something called the five whys. And this is a technique that is used in um, lean or Six Sigma uh, techniques. So this is where you just ask why. why why is this situation occurring? Well, why is that? And then why is that? And you just keep asking why over and over until you get to the final answer. And I love this um, problem solving technique because it's number one, it's very simple. And then it reveals what the true problem, the root problem is very quickly. And almost everyone can um, identify with this and, and, and use it. It's very simple. So that's one of my go-to methods for wow. problem solving. <laughs> Absolutely. My only answer would be, why? <laughs> well, let's not go into there. However, I wanted to ask you, playing on that why question do you find yourself sometimes in a tricky situation when your authority is being uh questioned by men that happens frequently actually and um i i usually can um rely on my my experience my education um and, and just my confidence to come to overcome that. Mm. But um, or, yeah, you ask it a, is or you ask a question, why you don't believe me that I can do it? Yes. Why, why are you asking that? 
absolutely there you go now angela um as we are heading towards the end of our show none of us are able to achieve success without some help along the way is there a particular person you are grateful towards who helped you get to where you are at the moment can you share a story about that yes yes definitely so when i was in high school um there was a man, a deacon in my church, who took a special interest in, in me. And he was also the chairman of the engineering division of our local university. And he gave me a subscription to Woman Engineer magazine. And it really encouraged me to pursue a career in engineering. And um, he just has always held a special place in you know in my life and i i think that i owe him a lot for um mm. accomplishing you know my uh my education getting my degree um and and where that led me so he he definitely is someone that i care about a lot as a mentor there you go we are supported by men as well thank you very much um now what is the number one book you can sit and think oh i wish i read before i started my career it could be even a magazine yeah <laughs> um so um a book that i've recently read that really um resonated with me is by uh, dr angela duckworth and it's called grit um the pursuit of passion and perseverance i think it is i just i just refer to it as grit um but uh, mm. that really really uh showed me that there's there's more than just you know raw intelligence um that will help someone be successful and um and she calls it grit do you have that um, determination to pursue your goals with passion and perseverance. Mm. So passion and perseverance is critical when you are working in man manufacturing because sometimes the project might be delayed. How, you do, how do you tackle this problem? So that's a very good question. Um, we see projects get delayed. Maybe um, funding has been withdrawn or requirements have been changed. And that's that's something that happens all the time. And then you, you just have to um, work with your team, adjust the schedule, re, maybe re-baseline the schedule and determine how that's going to impact the project. Does it bring up new risks that have to be worked out. Um, if, if the project is delayed, will that mean that certain resources that have been um, assigned to the project will no longer be available? And how are you going to accommodate that? So yes, it's, it's definitely um, complex. Mm. Well, somebody told about you, um, it was actually Elizabeth Allen, founder and partner at Economy of One. Um, she says um, about you, Angela Thurman is unique not only for her impressive skills, but for, as she puts it, the long and storied career journey she successfully undertook. No wonder the quote she has taken from C.S. Lewis for her life's philosophy is, you are never too old to set. Is that your life lesson quote or is there something else? Um, I, I love quotes from C.S. Lewis and also from Winston Churchill. And so, yes, I would, I would say that. Um, those, those men have both inspired me significantly. Absolutely. So what is your life lesson quote and how did it change you? Oh, um, we actually I'm have you sent us to, to okay. 
you sent it to yeah. before, which is uh -huh. Winston Churchill. Attitude, mm -hmm. attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Why this quotation? I think that your attitude is something that can greatly change the outcome of whatever you're doing because it makes such a difference in how you approach you know your day or the work you're doing because if you come if you approach a problem for example with a, a grumbling attitude um, it makes the work so much harder but if you approach a problem as a challenge or an opportunity that you're grateful to have um, an opportunity to solve, it makes it almost like um, a puzzle that it, you're, it's that's enjoyable and um, that you're going to benefit from. And I think that that um, just makes a world of difference. And it certainly makes a great difference to those around you. Mm, absolutely. And you're working with women in manufacturing, trying to bring more leaders into this industry. How and yes. what do you do? So one of the things that I do as um, the membership director for our chapter is to reach out to um, the businesses, the corporations and so forth that are located in our state and alert them to the fact that women exists and to invite them to join us so that their employees can benefit from all that WIM has to offer. And um, and that's I think that this, that's very successful because we want as many women in manufacturing to be um, our partners and our members as possible. Mm. And I think that we all learn from one another, so we we can we can all benefit from best practices and lessons learned. And it's like, oh, well, you do that. That's great. We could adopt that as well. And, and and so we all um, grow together. Absolutely. Um, and it's not just about attracting more females at the bottom of the industry. It's actually showing the path to the top of the industry. Just exactly. like Angela did. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, Angela, we are coming to the, our favorite question. Imagine you can travel anywhere in the world. Pandemic is nearly over and you could take any person in the world to have private breakfast anywhere in the world. Who would you invite and where would you go to? <laughs> well, it was pretty easy to, to decide who I would invite. And that would be my faithful friend and assistant, Robin Kennedy. She has been with me practically from the beginning of my company and we because we work virtually she and i have never met in person so i would definitely take robin kennedy to breakfast and the place that we would go would be the hotel dan in tel aviv i spent um about a week in israel once and I stayed at the Hotel Dan and have decided they have the most beautiful, delicious breakfast buffet I have ever had. And um, I love dates and figs and fruit of all kinds. And the Hotel Dan has all of that. Plus, they have blints every morning. And all of that appealed to me and it was delicious and I would love to enjoy that breakfast with Robin. 
Robin, all the best to you. Hopefully you will finally meet in Tel Aviv or anywhere in the world. Angela, thank you very much for your answers. As we are coming to the end of our show, I wanted to bring you a quotation. Manufacturing is more than just putting parts together. It's coming up with ideas, testing principles, and perfecting the engineering as well as final assembly. James Dyson said. Now, I would like to also bring to your attention tech trivia about a self-taught engineer. Margaret Knight was a true pioneer in the world of invention. She designed a machine that could cut, fold, and glue flat-bottom paperbacks automatically. Can you imagine that? We are behind so many inventions. So is Angela. So are so many women hacking the future. And I leave you with this message. As always, our positivity quote comes from positive thinking only and goes, look for something positive in each day. Even if some days you have to look harder. Next week, we are going to talk to our favorite networker. We had her almost two years ago during pandemic. We were talking with Kelly Hoey about how to network in the pandemic reality. Now let's look at the networking strategies to a seat on the board, board of directors, any C-suite seat that we need more women sitting at the table. Angela, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Agatha, Bellon and Jane for your comments, for your kind um, questions. And this is it from episode 82 with Angela. And thank you very much. And I hope to see you next week to hack the future of networking. Thank you.